Hey everybody, thanks for checking out the Glendale Road Church of Christ podcast. You're welcome to join us anytime you're around. We are at 1101 Glendale Road in Murray, Kentucky. We meet for worship every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., followed by our Bible study at 10 a.m., and we come back every Sunday evening for a bonus worship hour at 6 p.m. Also, every midweek on Wednesday at 7 p.m., we have a Bible study. You'd be welcome to join us. We'll be sure to save a seat for you. Now, here's this week's sermon. Scripture reading today is taken from John chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. You may be seated. Well, we finally have rain. Isn't that nice? God is good all the time. There's no hurt like church hurt. A few years ago, I was speaking with someone, and y'all probably think, you speak with a lot of folks, and I do. Uh, I like to listen more than I like to speak. But I was talking to a guy, and usually when people find out that I'm a preacher, they go, oh, you're a preacher? And I go, and I'm like, yeah. I said, do you go to church anywhere? And usually, no, yes, I go here, I, you know. And then I'll just say, well, I'll invite you to wherever, Glendale or wherever I was at the time. But this guy's like, no. I was like, okay. So the way he said no, I was like, don't press it just yet. Uh, But what I came to learn was that he grew up going to church and he had some family issues when he was a child between his parents and his elders at his congregation Uh, essentially blamed his mother for the issues when, in his mind, she wasn't the one at blame. And so his perspective was, because of how they treated his mother, he, he wasn't going to church. He'd been hurt. On another occasion, I was talking to a guy, and he and his wife were having marital troubles at the time, and so... He was telling me, he said, you know, I was walking in the church and I was about to walk into a room. And he said, before I got to the room, I could hear people talk and they were talking about me and my wife. And they said, whose side are we going to take? And so he said, I stepped right in the room and I looked at him. I said, I'll make it easy for you. And he left and he hadn't been back to church since. He'd been hurt. I could probably write a book about the stories people have told me, but I would also add the disclaimer, this is only one side of the story. There may be more to it than what we actually know. That's not to say that we had been lied to, but it is to say that when you ever hear one person's side of the story, it could be true, but there could be some omissions within that story that might give it greater clarity. Maybe you've been hurt by a church, the church, or even this church. Maybe someone from a group, maybe it was hurtful words, neglect, backstabbing, gossip, or someone just taking sides. I believe most people at some point, most Christians, 
that have been active in the church at some point have probably been hurt. Many are able to overcome it and brush it off. Some, they're able to move forward with the body of Christ, but they still, they still struggle. It's still something that's always at the forefront of their mind. And you know, this isn't something we really like to talk about. But it is true. Sometimes people are hurt and sometimes they are hurt by the church. Or maybe it's not the church. Maybe it's the preacher or elders, past or present. Maybe it's a Bible teacher. Maybe it's just another Christian. We, we, we never know. Um, I can tell you about all my hurts that I've endured. But I would also have to follow that up with saying there have also been times that I've had to apologize to folks. So I know what it's like to be hurt, right, by elders, by members. I had one guy, I was walking around the corner, my first ministry ever. I was walking around the corner and he was mocking me. And, you know, I don't mind a good mocking, provided it's playful, you know. But this wasn't playful at all. He was, he was being just hateful, is what he was. And uh, the lady he was mocking me to came up to me later that day and she said, Oh, don't mind him. That's just how he is. Now, I've heard that a lot as a minister. That's just how they are. And, and I finally got to the point that I'm like, I'm tired of hearing that. And I actually told one eldership, I said, now, don't tell me that's just how he is. I said, if I were to say to you, that's just how I am, when you had a complaint to me, you'd tell me to fix it or you'd fire me. I said, so you can hold a paycheck over my head and threaten me, but that's just how he is. I said, that's not right. And there have probably been times that I've said, that's how I am, and I don't need to be that way. So anyone who's ever been hurt, I want to ask you to think on a few things. First of all, this passage that Eric read just a few minutes ago, if you look at verse 10, in John 1, he was in the world and the world was made through him, but the world didn't know him. And then the next verse, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. Now think about if you've ever been hurt by the church, I want you to think about what if we look at the life of Jesus. His own didn't receive him. The world that he created didn't know him. The very people that should have believed in him did not. And many of his own countrymen at one point, they, who were his disciples, they followed him, but then they quit following him. And then they had him put to death. You've been hurt, but maybe it's not all that bad. We've not been put to death. But we, it doesn't mean that we still don't hurt as a result of it. So when I look at it, I go, you know, Jesus was hurt, I'm sure, by his own people, his own countrymen, but he never walked away. If we walk away from the church because of what a person or people did, I really believe that our faith was in people and not in God. Because if we have faith in God, we're going to see that the church is a part of His design and plan. And if it's a part of God's design and plan, who am I to say, oh, I don't need it? Jesus regards the church as His bride. 
So we read in Ephesians 5 and also in the book of Revelation. And we can understand that when you take the man, you have to take the bride as well. There's no husband alive that's going to say, yes, you can just write off my wife. So sometimes things happen. Sometimes people hurt us. First thing, just reflect on the life of Jesus. I like to, I always remind myself of this. Jesus couldn't please everybody. Not everybody liked Jesus. So why would I ever think that I could do what he was unable to do? Why would I think that people who say they love God and that they fear the Lord, why would I ever think that one or some of them would never hurt my feelings or never offend me or never upset me when Jesus endured the same thing? The only thing that's a difference between me and Jesus is I've had to apologize. Jesus never had to apologize. That's the only, well, there are many differences, but at least in this line of thought, you know, Jesus never had to apologize, but I have. Okay, so here's how we can move those of us that have been hurt beyond it. Move beyond the church hurt. Um, You know, some people just walk away. And I understand why. I don't agree with it, but I can say, well, yeah, I see your point. Uh, Can't say that I blame you. But hold on. So here's the first thing. Let's always remember Jesus first. Secondly, uh, we can move on by resolving our own past. Okay? Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you don't consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove that speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, because I know that I've hurt people's feelings, or maybe I have hurt other Christians in times past, I have to remember that I can't in good conscience walk away from the church when I'm hurt because I have caused that to others as well. People have been kind enough to forgive me. They've been kind enough to accept my apologies. And so, okay, I need to remember that I'm no angel. I'm no angel and neither are you. A young couple moved into a neighborhood, and this was back in the days when people regularly put their their clothes on the clothesline, right? And so this wife, she kept looking out the window, and her neighbor was putting her clothes on the clothesline. She said, she said to her husband, who's reading his paper, she said, I don't think she knows how to clean clothes all that well. If, if, if you look out the window, her clothes are still a little dingy. And uh, maybe nobody taught her, and the husband would go, mm-hmm. And this went on for a couple of weeks. And then one, one day when her neighbor was putting the clothes out on the line, she came by and she said, oh, look at that. I think she, I think somebody probably, t- or maybe she learned how to clean her clothes properly. And the husband, mm-hmm, I just got up and washed the window before you woke up. <laughs> so she was looking through dirty window. Th- and and that's the, here's the thing. Sometimes we're that way too. We can only see what the other person has done, and we never take stock of ourselves. Again, it doesn't 
make it okay, but we need to not be so arrogant about it. We need to be humble about it and go, you know, yeah, they hurt me, but you know, I've needed forgiveness too. I'm sure that I have done X, Y, and Z before. Maybe I've spoken brashly to somebody because I was in a bad mood. Maybe they're just in a bad mood, but we never like to look at it that way. You know, oh, people are talking about me. So what? Let them talk. Who cares? You know, there was a time when uh, I was a young adult and, you know, this was one time that I had to go and, and, and talk to my preacher and I had to, you know, repent before the church. Um, and, you know, there's a whole lot of people talking. And some of the people that were talking, I was like, well, I thought they liked me. The people that love me, they came and they talked to me. And I was glad that they did. I was glad that they cared enough, that they loved enough, that they said, I'm going to go talk to Stephen about this rather than everybody else. I always remember my preacher's response. I've told you this story before. I hope you don't get tired of it because I love telling it. But we had had a potluck and my daddy, you know, <laughs> daddy made me tell everybody that I, he said, now you're going to call your granddad and you're going to tell him. I was like, oh Lord. Now my granddaddy was a police officer. He wasn't but that tall, but he was the meanest man I ever met. He really was. Uh, yeah, I did not look forward to that call, but I, daddy told me, you're going to make it. And then he said, this Sunday, you're going to tell brother Jackie. Okay. And so we had this potluck afterwards and and good food. Church people can make good food. There's this one lady, her name was Miss Lil. Uh, you did not step foot in the church kitchen because apparently that was Miss Lil's kitchen. And if you did step foot in, you were going to take her orders and that's how it was. So anyway, Miss Lil, she, you know, organized it all and people brought dishes. She set it all out. So we had a good meal. Daddy came up, you talked to Brother Jackie yet? No, sir. Do it now. Now when your daddy says, now. Not now. Now. You do it now. So I went and I got Brother Jack. I said, can I talk to you for a second? He's like, sure. So we went out in the parking lot because I didn't want anybody else around. I said, I said, Brother Jackie, I'm, I'm sorry to have to tell you this. And I told him, I'm not going to tell you. I don't have to tell you. I've done told the Lord and I told Brother Jackie and I told my home church growing up. So you don't have to worry about it. But I told Brother Jackie, and uh, you know, Brother Jackie was from Belfast, Ireland, so he had that very thick Irish accent. But he put his arm around me, and he was, you know, about six foot three or so, six two, and just a burly fella. And he pulled me into him with his deep baritone voice. He said, I "Already knew." He said, "But I want you to know I love you, and I don't agree with it. I don't agree with your choice." Choice is, but I'll always love you. That's exactly what I needed. I was expecting the worst. So as a struggling, recovering sinner, I know what it's like to need forgiveness. Whoops. And because I have needed forgiveness, I don't mind offering it when I need to offer it. And sometimes people don't even seek it. Sometimes they don't ever know that they are the cause of the hurt. But if I dwell on what you do, if I dwell on what everybody else does and forget myself, 
I'm the hypocrite. So I got to take the plank out of my eye before I remove the speck from yours. So I move on by resolving my own past. Secondly, I move on by forgiving since I have been forgiven. Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. One of you is going to ask, so I'm going to go ahead and address it. Well, now, what if they never ask for forgiveness? Because after all, we got to ask God for forgiveness. Here's the thing. You and I are not God. First point, look at what Mark has to say about this. There's a passage in Mark that says, and I can't tell you where it is, so you read the whole thing, you'll find it. Uh, But the passage is Jesus speaking. He says, if you stand therefore praying and remember you have something against someone, forgive them and pray to your father. He doesn't say, wait till they apologize to you. Wait till they ask you for forgiveness. Forgive. It's conditional. If I forgive then God forgives me. But if I don't forgive, then God doesn't forgive me. Well, they never asked about it. Have you gone and told them? Do you realize that some people don't even know what they've done because nobody tells them? And I'm sorry, I have yet to... It's like when someone said, I was in the hospital last week, nobody came to visit me. Did you call? Did you tell us? Did you... No, I told them not to put me on that list at the hospital. How are we supposed to know? We're not mind readers. We're not mind readers. So if you're holding something against somebody, my question is, do they know? I'm willing to bet a lot of folks don't even realize it. Some may and they just don't care. Okay, yeah, that's fair. But I have been forgiven so much, and I've not deserved it. I have prayed for that forgiveness. I have begged and pleaded for that forgiveness. And God is gracious enough to forgive. We always talk about being Christ-like, being more and more like God. You want to be more like God, forgive. You want to be more like Christ, forgive, pardon, let go. As far as the east is from the west, that is how far I've removed your trespasses from you, the psalmist says. Now, I I can't measure the distance from the east to the west on this old circular globe of ours, but if you try to measure it, you're going to keep going round and round and round. It's never ending. Okay, move on by resolving my past. I move on by forgiving since I have been forgiven. Cute story. Sunday school teacher was asking her class, she's like, okay, now what did you have to do before you ask for forgiveness? Little boy raised his hand, yes, sin. It's true. Third, I move on by committing to act in love. Love suffers long and is kind. Love doesn't envy, love doesn't parade itself, is not puffed up, doesn't behave rudely, doesn't seek its own. That's one everyone needs to underline, doesn't seek its own. To put it a different way, love doesn't insist on its own way. There's no it's my way or the highway. Love doesn't doesn't seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. 
Love doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. When I act in, you know, when I act in love towards somebody, it, it, it changes everything. It's not always easy to do. I, I'll grant you that. You know, sometimes we don't want to act in love. Sometimes we want to act as our human emotions urge us to do so. I really have to watch my mouth. That's a struggle I have. I've got a sharp tongue. And so if I go quiet, that is me exercising self-control. It's best for me not to speak at all. Proverbs 15, 1, a harsh word stirs up anger, a soft word turns away wrath. That's one of my verses, my memory verses, simply because that's one that I struggle with. So I'll remove myself from whatever it is. I won't speak. You know, that, that's, that's one of my fleshly weaknesses. That may be yours. It may not be yours. Maybe yours is something else. But if I reply on the spot, because here's the thing, if you're hateful to me, I am going to spitefully try to outdo you. If you're rude, I'm going to try and be ruder. If you're hateful, I'm going to try and be hatefuler, more hateful. So that's why I just, I just zip it. I just won't say anything because I'm like, mm. you know, and in my mind, I'm thinking, boy, I'd like to throw some hot grease on you. You know, and I don't say that braggingly or proudly. It's, you know, we're all human. We have emotions. We, the most of our problems are always sometimes a result of, of interaction with other people. I was reading about a story. This occurred on August 16th, 1987. There was a Northwest Airlines flight, 225, that crashed just after taking off from Detroit. 155 people died on that crash, but one person survived. It was a four-year-old girl from Tempe, Arizona. Her name was Cecilia. Now, when the rescuers found Cecilia, they, they didn't believe that she had been on the plane. So they go and they check the flight manifest, and in fact, yes, yeah, she was listed as is having been on that plane. And so they're trying to figure out how in the world did she survive after everyone else on this plane died. Cecilia's mother, Paula, had unbuckled her seatbelt, had got down on her knees in front of her daughter, had wrapped her arms around the body of her daughter, Cecilia, and she wouldn't let go. Nothing could separate that little girl from her mother's love not tragedy, not disaster, not that fall or the flames that followed, the height or the depth, life or death, nothing. But it was because of that act of love that her mother had towards her and doing everything she could to protect her that she survived. And everyone looked and they thought, it's impossible. I remember the one who died for me and for you. Motivation Rather, his motivation was love, just like Cecilia's mother, Paula. He denied his comfort and endured misery 
so that I, the one who deserves suffering, could enjoy peace and rest. Many of us have patriots in our family, some of whom are still with us, some of whom have gone on to their eternal reward. Uh, A few years ago, there was a gentleman in Cracker Barrel, and he was coming from the gift shop area, and I was going to pay our bill, and he he had a hat on, Vietnam veteran's hat. And always, anytime I see a veteran, I like to always stop them and thank them, uh, especially Vietnam vets, because, you know, when you think about wars before Vietnam and even after, you know, people came home, soldiers came home to ticker tape parades, to great celebrations. But I, I remember talking to a Vietnam vet one time. He said, when I came out the airport, people were spitting on me and other things, saying a bunch of ugly words. And so, you know, especially with a Vietnam vet, I really want to seek them out. But anyway, the guy was coming this way. I was coming that way. And, you know, you got to speak fat. You don't want to square up to a soldier without going, here's why I'm here, right? I don't want the guy to throat punch me and it'd all be over. But I stopped and I said, sir, I just, I just wanted to say thank you for serving in Vietnam. And I said, I'm Stephen Hunter and I appreciate, appreciate what you're willing to do. And he, he grabbed my hand. He said, son, I'd do it all again. If Paula was asked, knowing what she knows, Paula would probably say for the sake of her daughter Cecilia, I'd have done it all over again. Jesus, who died for sinners for us all, when you look at what he did and then look at what he endured, Reflect back on the passage that started us out. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. And the world didn't know him. He came to his own and he didn't receive, they didn't receive him. Everything that I may be prone to complain about, to whine about, to get upset about, when it it has anything to do with Christianity or the church... Jesus dealt with it and worse. Maybe you need to heal from wounds that you've dealt with or that you've incurred from a congregation. I just want you to remember, if if that is your case, that there are people that care. But I also want to urge, as I said, that we resolve our own past that we forgive others because we have been forgiven, that we commit to acting in love towards everybody. Cecilia made the ultimate sacrifice for her daughter. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for our eternal souls. He wanted to save us from the consequences of sin. I I think about that gentleman in Cracker Barrel. He, He wanted to fight to serve his country so that Everything that he saw bad over there, we would never have to see here. But he did it for something earthly, as as noble and laudable as it is. Jesus paid a sacrifice so much more greater. And he says to us all, look at the cross. And when you understand the horrors of the death of a crucifixion, Jesus doesn't just tell us that he loves us, but he shows us. We've always said and heard the saying, actions speak louder than words. 
Jesus not only gave us the words, but He gave us the action. How can we not look upon that and be grateful? How can we not look upon that and go, what would you have me do next? I mean, I look at that and I just, you know, I'm in awe of what Jesus did for us. Mainly because I'm like, this lot doesn't deserve it. And really, there's no one that does deserve it. But that speaks about the love of God, how great it is for us. Like the love of a mother for her daughter. And so Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. And as the apostles went preaching afterwards, they preached that good news that death doesn't have the final say any longer because Jesus has conquered death by raising from the grave. He is ascended to the right hand of the Father where He now reigns and will one day come in judgment of the earth and commands all men everywhere now to repent and to turn to Him. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Repent, every one of you, and be buried with Christ in baptism, confessing His name, repenting of your sins, and you will be forgiven. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter how far gone you may think you are. I trust you. Uh, trust me. I'll tell you. The forgiveness of God is greater than your sins. So would you put on Christ this morning? There are some of you, you don't know this. Yeah, we're going to stand and sing. You can go ahead and pack up. I know you church people, I'll tell you. Um, there are some people in this congregation that I and others have been praying for. And some of them over the last few weeks have obeyed the gospel. But there's still a list of, of folks that are still being prayed for. You haven't yet obeyed, but you're being prayed for whether you know it or not. So obey. Return to God, love, as he poured out love on the cross. If you wish to do so, publicly come to the front while we stand and sing.